0: i edged forward on my pew in the gallery so i wouldn't miss a single word my ex-lover's new girlfriend eve eberline was about to be publicly humiliated by the honorable edward j thompson i wanted to dance with joy right there in the courtroom It was six months into the great hunger caused by the potato blight, and half the Irish nation was homeless, and most were starving. Those in the villages too proud to die in the streets for all to see would crawl up into the bog caves and dig scalps in the wet ground, there to wait for sweet death in their lonesome dignity. In the diseased fields, children with their and ribby little chests lay dead and scattered like a battle's losing soldiers, their lips green from chewing grass at the end. Families, what was left of them, lay about all day in their rags and fevered stink, clinging together, moaning from the pain of scurvy and dropsy. And all this while, the English landlord serving up more and more evictions in all the counties where the croppies, the tenants, could nay afford to pay, what with the business of starving to attend to. In County Galway, in the village of Ballinglass, on the 13th of March, 1846, an English bitch by the name of Mrs. Gerard called in a detachment of the 49th Infantry of the Royal British Army, commanded by Captain Brown, as well as local English constabulary, and ordered some 300 croppies to leave their house so the land could be cleared of the people who had made it their lives and turned more profitable as grazing ground for cattle. The English troops worked with a ferocity that gladdened Lucifer's heart. They demolished every wretched thing. They set fire to roofs, tore them off made of slate and pounded the slate down to slivers. They pulled down the walls. They crushed the family's possessions under horses' hooves. Any bare-handed man or woman fool enough to attack a soldier met her or his maker quick as an English sword could arrange the introduction. The children cried themselves, die, dry. And that night in the hopeless darkened wind, the people slept in the ruins only to be driven out at dawn, and the very foundations of the tumbled houses torn from the ground and burnt. And so it is left, not to the books of history, but to these stories told face to face to keep alive this lesson, among so many others, at Irish expense. The landlord is no lord of the land. He is the scum of the earth. That experience of the Irish croppers in Ireland and the oppression they experienced at the hands of the English is not an experience just isolated in Ireland. Each of us here has experienced some form of oppression. I know living in South Africa and being the target of the secret police what it means to be the target of the institutionalized arm of a society and culture, and the tremendous pain that is caused by that kind of oppression. In fact, there are very few groups, if any at all, that are excluded from the pain that comes from ignorance and from the pain that comes from hatred and from the pain that comes from revenge and blame. We've experienced it as Jews as well. We've experienced it as white men in wars. We've experienced it living with dark skins. We've experienced it as women loving women and men loving men. It's probably true to say that we will in our lives, until we die, continue to meet hatred, blame, judgment, anger. It's probably true to say that in our lives we will experience tremendous pain caused from this. It's true to say that probably in our lives we will experience the pain caused by ignorance, caused by greed. And so we are left then with the question, what do we do? With our own hatred What do we do with our feelings of revenge and blame because aren't those the feelings that come up? From our experiences of hatred and revenge When we are blamed Do we find that we automatically want to blame back and when we are judged? Do we find that we want to judge back and when we are hated? Do we find we want to hate back? I know that I found those energies inside of myself. I remember in the early days organizing around Anita Bryant and seeing her on TV, and I didn't look at her with love. I can't say I included her in my heart space. Is it true to say that not only do we live with our own hatred and revenge, with our own blame and judgment, but is it true to say that we actually nurture them? And do we nurture them because we think they will bring us freedom and happiness? It's certainly true that when we have acted out of blame and when we have acted out of judgment, there has been a sort of particular high or release of energy that sometimes comes from it. When we scream out our anger afterwards, isn't there some kind of release? One might even say, um, some. Small pleasure in it. But I wonder if that experience of release or small pleasure or even larger pleasure is what actually brings us freedom and happiness. The Dalai Lama has been talking about the murder of three million Tibetans more, with more and more frequency. He's been talking about the monks that have been slaughtered and the monasteries that have been destroyed. And he never talks about hatred and he never talks about revenge. In fact, he calls the Chinese his friends. And I wonder, do we do the same? Do we call those who are hating and murdering us our friends? And if not, why not? And if we don't, why? I deeply feel I deserve respect. I feel no matter what my choices in my life, I deserve to be honored and respected as a human being. I would like to be acknowledged. I would like not to be invisible. I would like to be heard. I would like my humanity to be embraced. I would like that to happen by all those who find me repulsive. I would still like them to respect me. I would like those who disagree fundamentally with what I believe, with my path, and with how I live, I would like them to honor me still, nevertheless, as a human being. This is what I would like. How do I give this gift in return? because I can't wait any longer. Some of us have been waiting for thousands of years, for even longer than that. And so it feels to me the time has come for me to find the way and for us to find the way, because we can't wait any longer. The Buddha said that hatred never stops hatred. Hatred never stops hatred. Only love can stop hatred. And so it feels like the question for each of us here is if we are to deserve and receive respect and dignity. How do we cultivate it in our lives when we are the targets of hatred and judgment and blame? How do we stop the cycle of violence? How do we begin to bring into ourselves and our community a vision that goes beyond The passing on of stories of hatred and blame that only end up with more murder, with more hatred, and with more blame. Forgiveness is the quality of mind that mends and heals the heart and mind. Forgiveness is the quality of mind that brings what we have pushed outside of our hearts back into our hearts. Forgiveness is the quality of mind that understands each person is more than their actions, that each person is more than the sum of their actions. <coughs> Forgiveness is the quality of mind that distinguishes a person from their actions and is able to love and respect the person as well as being critical of the actions. Forgiveness is the quality of mind that understands each one of us is a human being who has suffered greatly. Each one of us is a human being who yearns for happiness, that each human being has cried and mourned, that each human being has loved and touched, and that each human being can be included in our heart space because we are the same in many, many ways. Forgiveness is a quality of mind that understands none of us is perfect that we each here are still students, that we each here are learning, and that as long as we're alive, we are students and learning, and that each one of us here has made mistakes, bad mistakes sometimes, mistakes that have had deep ramifications in our lives and other people's lives. And forgiveness still arises and is deserved and heals, no matter what we have done, no matter how we have done it. Forgiveness arises for all those outside of us, no matter what they have done and how they have done it, in the understanding that they too are students of life, that they make mistakes, that they are beginners on the path as well as we are. Forgiveness understands that we are closer than we think to those that we would like not to be so close to. If we were to put ourselves in the shoes of those we most hate, to live in the homes they lived in, to live in the cultures they lived in, to receive the messages they received in their schools, in their communities, and in society at large, we probably would not end up very differently from them. Forgiveness understands this. Forgiveness also understands that each one of us here has a shadow part. Each one of us here has areas that we act out of that are not in the light of our awareness. Forgiveness understands that often we do find ourselves out of control and that that is part of the fact that we are not fully healed that we act out of those spaces. And forgiveness does not reject us, nor does it reject others for being out of control. Forgiveness has the capacity to see what actually is skillful and what isn't skillful. It understands that we don't need to push out of our hearts what isn't unskillful. I mean, what is unskillful, but to understand it clearly so that we can be guided by our wisdom. The two forces that probably stop us most strongly from forgiving are blame and judgment. There is probably in our heart right now people that we hold in blame. It's probably in our heart right now people that we hold in judgment. How does it feel? For me, it feels a place of hardness, a place of separation, of being closed down. Blaming is actually a place where I put myself in a victim position because I hold someone else responsible or even some internal experience of mine responsible for my state. I give up my own responsibility. I let go of my own sense of empowerment and I lay that power at the door of something outside of myself. In this way, I bind myself and imprison myself. I become a victim to them or a victim to an experience, internally or externally. Blaming means I have to depend on something outside of myself to change in order to come to resolution. Blaming, therefore, means that I do not think I have the capacity inside of myself to transform. It is actually letting go of that understanding that I have the capacity to transform no matter what the situation. Blaming screens that and gives that capacity, so to speak, to someone else. And then I have no power. What a tremendously painful relationship to be in. What a tremendously painful way to live. Then there's the judgment that comes with it, the rationalization and constructions of opinions and thoughts that defend that position, that solidify that position. I build myself up even more as a victim by defining myself in relation to this experience or person. They, they did it to me, and they are bad. And in that way, I harden. I shut down my heart not only that but actually what happens is that that hardening and that solidity screen what really and truly is happening and why there's blame and judgment in the first place and what is it why is there blame and judgment in the first place why do we move into that relationship of blaming and judging and it doesn't matter how awful the experience is or how small because it's the same dynamic why are we doing it? Is it because we don't want to feel the pain? Could it be as simple as that? <laughs> I think probably so. That it's just very, very difficult to feel the pain of living to feel the pain of living as a human being, to feel the pain of living as a lesbian or gay man, as a Jew, as an African-American, Latino, transsexual, bisexual, disabled, whatever it is, or however it is for us, as a woman, as a man. It's tremendously painful sometimes to be alive It's tremendously painful to be alive when we live in situations of murder, of persecution, where not just one or two, but thousands of us are wiped out. Wiped out in the most horrible ways. And we live with this and we're living with it now. There are walls all over this world. And it's tremendously painful not to slip into blame and judgment around it, not to find ourselves siding in one position or another in order to stop feeling the pain. I don't think that it's easy to feel the pain. I'm not sure that it's even possible to feel the pain that continues to come to us over and over again in our lives. But I do think it's possible to get clear, increasingly clear, about the dynamics that unconsciously arise that actually do not serve us as we deal with this pain. How we work with our pain and how we open to it is a long-term affair. It does not just happen in one go. It does not just happen in our nine-week or in our three-year therapy session. It does not happen by sitting one or two or five or ten retreats. How we continue to open to our pain is a process that invites us as long as we are alive. And there is no one right way and not there's no wrong way either. It is not a linear process. But we do know that by opening to our pain, we open <coughs> to ourselves and we open to life in a way that can bring us the deepest happiness and the deepest joy. We know that by opening to our pain and letting go of blame and judgment, we free ourselves and we empower ourselves. Sometimes it might feel easier to talk about the big things. Sometimes it's even harder to talk about the little things. The places where our partners drive us nuts because they haven't made the bed again. And there's that uh, uh, kind of blaming energy. They can't ever get it together. What's the matter with them? I'm always cleaning up after them. (laughs) Or our bosses, you know. The place where they might not be so respectful. Or the little irritations driving our car you know, in that immediate rush of something that comes up. I can't believe he did not let me in. (laughs) The arrows are coming in. I have to get into the other lane and no cars letting me in. And I watch myself. You know, I watch myself getting into it. (laughs) And sometimes because it's small, it seems easier to let go. You know, oh, it's okay. You know, it's okay to get into it. And I mean, on one level it is fine. But I do think it's important to understand that we're getting into it and not to defend the place where we blame and judge. When I lost my vision, I had been very self-sufficient and together. I was raising five children. I was working. I was volunteering in my community. I was independent enough to be contemplating a divorce. I'd even given an attorney $500. And then I got myself into hospital. I'd begun to find myself knocking things over and stumbling around. I went to an ophthalmologist and then a neurologist and then a radiologist and then a neurosurgeon. And finally a doctor said, you have a growth in your brain. If you don't have surgery, it will continue to grow and it will take your life. The operation took seven and a half hours. The doctor said, he almost lost me twice. He removed a tumor the size of a hen's egg. All I could see was the faintest bit of light. It didn't hit me until I got home. I didn't recognize myself. I went into hospital with long hair. I came out short. I went in at 145 pounds. I came out at 175, wearing my mother's dress. I went in and could see. I left and couldn't. It wasn't me. And things were bad at home. I couldn't get a divorce now. I was too dependent i tried to do things for myself but it often just created more trouble and my youngest daughter didn't want to be seen on the streets with me she was so ashamed of me and i felt bitter i kept pushing my feelings away what had happened why me i just wanted out of here i wanted out of life one full day, I told my husband I was going out and I went down the elevator and out of the house. I got to the corner and just stopped. I expected him to come after me, but he didn't. A lot happened on that corner. I saw my past life. I recalled how lonely and helpless I'd felt as a little girl. And there I was now, just like a child again, only with five of my own. I stayed there a long time. Finally, I said to myself, Well, here you are, and there's no place to go. It's time you brought a little help into your life. So I went into rehabilitation and I told them everything. I gave them everything. I gave them my shame and my anger and my fear because I felt that was my truth. And if it was my truth, then how could I be helpless? You don't suffer from the truth. The truth sets you free. Of course, it was hard work coming to terms with it. But after a while, you have nothing left to hide. You want to bring it all out. You want to make room to receive help. And when you're with a lot of people who are also trying to do that, you get support. Us blind folks working together, the more I felt that, the more I found myself beginning to offer help as much as ask for it. I met a young man there who was blind from birth. He'd never had a birthday party, so I baked him a cake and organized a party. He blew out the candles he couldn't see. He was delirious. It was grand. I felt so happy I had come from that lost blind person on the corner to someone who had seen a need and done something about it. I've told people something that sounds a little cruel. Everyone should experience blindness to see how our vision can give us such hang-ups, how we judge and condemn, and what that does to us like that boy with the cake. There was a blind girl he had fallen for. Then someone said she was unattractive. He stopped seeing her. It brought tears to my eyes. He had been seeing fine. May each one of us here come to understand what truly brings us happiness and what truly brings us freedom. May each one of us here have the courage to open our hearts and to feel what needs to be felt, to experience what needs to be experienced. And in this way, may we begin to lighten our load. May we begin to forgive, to forgive ourselves, to forgive those spaces we've judged, to forgive those places and spaces we've shamed, and to forgive others in the same way. In the forgiving, may we come to see more and more clearly what's skillful, what brings healing, what's unskillful, and what brings harm. May we, in this way, come to the deepest freedom.